0: HT
1: Smartcast. You
0: are listening to a Radio One production brought to you by
2: HT Smartcast. This is Minding My Business, the CEO story with Ramesh Menon and Rishi K hey seems like yesterday when we launched this radio show and podcast but it's got wheels and a mind of its own here's episode 2 of minding my business the CEO story and it comes to you on 94.3 radio 1 on FM radio and in podcast form on HT smartcast and leading streaming services this is a radio 1 production I'm radio and podcast host Rishi K let me welcome my co-host and all round good man Ramesh Menon CEO HT media limited hey Ramesh how are you and uh, now that you've had some great net practice in episode 1 are you Ready for the next challenge?
1: Hi, Rishi. Thank you. I'm well. Uh, and since you've compared uh, podcasting to cricket, I must say for me, every episode is like a you know what should I say a one-day international. Uh, that's more in in fashion right now. So it's a one-day international, probably a final, and that's how I approach most of the challenges in my life. So yes, it's super to be back and uh, with another amazing guest.
2: Well played. Nice cover drive with your words. So let's go right ahead and welcome him, Ramesh. I think this gentleman has really revolutionized the personal mobility space in this country.
1: Yeah. He's built India's leading auto portal. And uh, one guy who's been revising his growth strategy Every time there's been a challenge Welcome uh, on,
2: on board this
1: podcast, Amit Wonderful
2: Please welcome Amit Jain, co-founder and CEO of Cardekho.com How are you doing? I hope your family and you are safe and healthy And you've got your vaccines, Amit
1: I've got
0: both the shots done And I hope both of you are safe as well as, well as the radio and family
2: Thanks very much All So far, so good
1: Great, Amit So let's start, let's start. Know, I want to start with your uh, background I believe you were a programmer, a graphics guy uh, From there to becoming an entrepreneur there are some amazing journeys going around, and, and we thought we'll we'll get to know your journey as well.
0: So I'm basically a very normal guy who happened to be you know uh, studying at IIT Delhi. I'm from Jaipur, a small town, and did my education. Education-oriented family, father was in service, right? So went to IIT did my engineering, then went and uh, did a job in Austin, Texas with a company called Trilogy. Learned programming there, learned product technology, and then finally went on to build my first startup business within that company Trilogy. That was the journey which excited me of becoming an entrepreneur. And uh, in 2007, along with my younger brother, Anurag, who's also from IIT Delhi, we both started this business and uh, there's been looking back since. Came to build a 1000000000 dollar company and I think we're there now the dreams of are-
2: become larger, that's the only change. Brilliant. It actually segues very nicely into my next question. That younger Amit, the guy, you know, who uh, who passed out and, you know, went abroad, who had stars in his eyes when he first started off on his entrepreneurial journey. What was the vision when you were starting off and how much have you evolved or achieved from, from then to now in terms of your vision, Amit?
0: as a kid uh, the young Amit had no vision <laughs> it was more like madara <laughs> life I'm a chill guy basically I used to enjoy every day and uh, would work really hard I mean the one thing that has been consistent throughout my profession is that I worked really really hard and I partied hard also so that's been a constant one look honestly the real vision formation happened in 2005 and not when I started my job when I looked when I grew uh, and I saw how internet tech is booming in the United States how startups or digital distribution is really changing the way things are gonna look like Even five is the first time when we and I personally did a startup, and then I realized the power of digital for the first time. I think I would at 2000 to 2004 would was a you know a young, good salaried, middle class guy getting suddenly a lot of money and having chill in life, right? And I think something changed, 5 and that's when it all began. My evolution of how I started looking at the world was very different. Startup makes you think do everything very differently and I think you multitask and you play very different role. Instead of being compartmentalized as a coder, you are the owner suddenly, right? And I think that changes or that evolves. So my view is that your vision actually starts getting a lot more shaped up by the exposure that you get. And if you are thrown in the swimming pool to swim, you will eventually learn how to swim. Because eventually, it, at the heart, everyone of you is a fighter. It's just a matter of jumping into that
1: water. And the last, uh, obviously, the last few months have been very challenging for all of us. You know, what has it meant for you? I mean, I, you've gone through all the struggles to set up your business and so on. What changed in the last uh, year or so or, or did anything change?
0: I got to spend a lot of family time I now know my kids <laughs> which I did not know before I was always travelling So From a weekend father, I became like a regular father I would spend like an hour, and that kind of gave a lot of mental peace at least Other than that, I think uh, I would say the pandemic actually apart from the second wave which actually was a lot of lo- loss of life which kind of impacted empathically a lot of you know your feelings you lost two people in a company I think that was shaking honestly with the, all the crisis on the basic hygiene uh, on. Medical infrastructure not being there, I think I'm keeping that aside. From business standpoint, I think uh, it has been a very, very uh, let's say crisis is an opportunity kind of time for a car. Yep. I think we we did a lot of new stuff in this pandemic innovation. Was that it's peak? Launch how to car, buy a used car online. How do you you know buy a car without seeing it? A lot of other stuff started to take shape. The first wave we were not really prepared. I'll be frank and the business did come to kind of a standstill second wave that just went by we were able to float across with a 60% business retention versus you know practically washed down in the last time same time I think we were prepared the ecosystem was also better prepared to handle it this time despite the severity was much higher so I would say Ramesh the way I, I'm a very optimistic guy I've never looked upon anything as a problem I've actually looked upon everything as a opportunity. Because if you don't have better use That's how I have built my life and I think uh, that's one big one uh, I always dream big and I think everything is possible if you really lean
2: for it. I'm actually going to do an offshoot of Ravesh's question. It's, it's wonderful that you got time to, to spend with the family which is great. Were you able to take a step back and relook at your business Amit? and if you could analyze your verticals tell us what prospered and what suffered. I think we could put our finger on it please.
0: So I think uh, when pandemic first wave came it was a lot of introspection on how because it was zero revenue right. So you had to think through cost control. every vertical was looked upon how do you basically get to you know, minimal cost so A lot of office infra was abandoned because it was containing Lockdown was containing We actually, as we learned how to work remotely, we started leaving office spaces. Now I think we only occupy 30% of space we used to occupy earlier. That's a big change in how we work now. And I think as we get back to work after second wave, also I don't think we need more than 50% capacity. So ways of working changed or evolved uh, in pandemic, and that definitely results in infrastructure. A lot of you know travel that we would do earlier to do business. I think we all evolved as a eternity of CEOs of MD and how to do business for a Zoom call now. I think that, that's a big one, that kind of got evolved. Apart from you know cost measures that we took, we actually went all uh, fat and only maintained muscle, right? In terms of all, all with everything was re upon. You know? It's an exercise that you would usually not do. The pandemic got you into that zone where you started to look at everything. So we basically decided, uh, let's go lean on various areas which are good to have. And I think that helped uh, control the burn and sales uh, As the market came back, we actually prepared a lot of product technology during the pandemic time to be ready for the next opening up. And that kind of helped us, you know, have a very big, good bounce back. And we actually did uh, the peak revenue of our lives in January. So all verticals actually peaked. So there were all JFM was peak of the company. So out of pandemic, we peaked out on every single business we are doing: insurance, finance, new cars, used cars. So I would say the strategy on each business, you know, kind of played very well, and uh, the results were actually reaped in JFM.
1: So, so you think uh, the mobility sector itself, uh, as a result of what happened, has gone through some major changes? Because I'm sure the way we see public transport has changed. The way we see, you know, the OLA's and the Ubers of the world—they were off the road, and and. Uh, the general phobia about traveling in groups, traveling together, traveling in public transport and so on. How has that played out for your business?
0: I think mobility evolved significantly. Suddenly, you know, personal mobility became the thing. People are buying cars for safety now. Safety of family. And there was a huge shortage of cars and it still is by the way the order book is still two months so what has happened is that the second wave also again shows that now you see a bumper season that's about come because we get digital trends much in advance so yeah. personal mobility has become the theme suddenly and you know the car buying is on like new car and used car both are on the spree literally so with that i think uh it's gonna obviously you know have a balance bit. right now it's too high it will taper down but it will have a 9% kind of a growth on new cars how I see it on a steady base but right now as i speak uh, the order book of each manufacturer is is huge because of the demand supply mismatch right now the mobility is evolving and now i think the subscription models that were not taken earlier are also hmm. some light we'll now see a new revolution coming in mobility with evs coming in two wheelers which are going to be disrupted first and then cars would be disrupted next so there is a lot of you know change that you'll see over next five years and in this decade I think you'll see a practically new way of home in my view as I see it.
2: Now I'm gonna ask you a very media wala kind of question I've been hearing experts scream from the rooftops Amit saying Millennials Gen Z don't want to own their own car don't want to own their own house they want to be footloose and fancy free that line of thought is something we've heard so much of so what's the India story really I want to know from you?
0: I think uh, the millennials definitely do not want to. There's a category of millennials that is born with a car. The father already had a car. It was something that is all their life. There's a category which his father has never seen us. So I would differentiate the two millennials. Very significant. So there's a millennial that is coming up which is for whom the aspiration is what his father could not, not even fulfill. I think that category is a large category that has to come. Because in India you still have only 27 cars per thousand people. Versus say uh, America has 800 cars per thousand people or China is 200. Or a Southeast Asia has around 79,000. We're way off. There's a huge amount of growth that you can expect. A big cohort as the per capita increases would come into this. That cohort, in my view, would buy a car. This set of millennials is already entitled millennial. The one that basically feels car to get the a So I think that I would differentiate the, this one. But this millennial, what he would do, in my view, is would go for short-term solutions. That $6 So he will be you know, flipping uh, his choices, to go for shorter-term leases, or own mobility in a very different format. Or in some cases, you know, he'll say that if I'm going out for a vacation, I need my own car. Otherwise, I'm good with, you know, shared mobility. So, you'll have, you know, this millennial, you know, flipping across the mobility services we'll create across uh, for his lifestyle. But both, in my view, will coexist. And the entirety one is a smaller portion, in my view, versus the ones that will actually get to that stage in decade to come.
1: So, let me take you back from uh, consumer to your own business. Uh, New cars, used cars, insurance, finance… What's working? What's your model like? I'm sure our audience and our viewers would like to know from you. what What is it that your model is and how does it differentiate from everybody else?
0: I'll, I'll pick up one by one. On used cars, I think that's a big business for us. We basically buy cars from consumers. So we What we create uh, is a platform where we have got consumer walking in or asking us to go home. And now, mostly 90% of the visits we do at home, we don't buy at stores anymore. So because of pandemic, the business also evolved differently. The stores are getting, you know, kind of you know, faded out and they've got home inspection, we go to your house, we evaluate your vehicle, give you instant pricing, you like it, you sell the car to us. It's a very convenient way of selling car with a great uh, return on your used car value. We buy this car and there are two businesses post that. One is wholesale business where we sell this car that we bought to the dealer and make a margin in the middle, very small one because it's a wholesale business. Other businesses where we basically refurb this vehicle fully and say that this is our brand promise that if you buy this vehicle, this vehicle will not ask for any big expense for next one year. There'll be no service required for next eight months or 10,000 kilometers. We are giving you engine warranty for six months because we are so sure of, of the quality we are giving you. We are giving you roadside assistance across the country. And if you don't like the vehicle, you can return it back in seven days anytime. No questions asked. So we basically are changing the way it's a branded OEM selling used cars now. And to top it up, you can now come and book this online and you don't believe So you own the test on the car for seven days. If you don't like it, give it back. That's a new model we have come up with to retail. And this is practically e-commerce of cars, if I were to say. It's nothing new. But say, in cars, the category e-commerce is arriving. And Kardec was leading the show there. With that, basically, this used car business has two parts. Wholesale and retail. Now, on the other front, new cars, we basically are in the business of creating a huge amount of information which consumers want before they take a buying decision which car to buy. Now, that decision is basically based on the expert content and user-generated content we have on the platform so we have got millions of people coming to us for two wheelers or cars here we, we top both the categories bike they go and car they two portals. And we also run a portal called zig So these three portals taken together form the majority of new car or bike traffic 86 percent of new car buyers go through our platform before they buy a car it's oh. a very very popular platform now we basically what we do is now as a consumer comes he wants to connect it to connect to the dealer because he wants to buy a car we give a hook to connect to the dealer from here and that's we don't charge the consumer at all and dealer pays a very small like a very small fee couple of 100 bucks for giving him that consumer connect so it's like a digital marketing platform for the dealer. And then OEMs advertise on the site, any new launch you would see, right? That's how it works. So, consumer, so we have no interest in transaction on new car. We just connect the two and we don't make anything in the middle because we want consumer to directly work with dealers. Here, we ensure brand promise in used cars, we sell cars. directly. On the insurance side, we have two businesses. One is, you know, enabling India, where we are basically saying, you know, let's create employment for thousands of people. 10,000 people work on our platform as independent broker agents with us. We are an IID-approved broker. And we create employment across 800 cities in India with you know, people buying, selling insurance on our platform in their local level. We do 10 lakh like, policies a year now. We control 2% of India's insurance auto insurance market. That's what we do on the B2B2C side. So 10,000 agents punching in like a million policies. And then on the B2C side, we have something called insurance day, And that is you now 5% of our revenue. It just started like four months back. We basically sell... Uh, health, life, and auto insurance on a B2C format. That's where the you know, consumer comes and uh, buys the insurance themselves in a self format. There are two quotes, one is offline, uh, people who are buying. So we are catering to both the, both the sides of category, B2C and B2B2C. So that's what we do on insurance. On the lending platform, we are basically a platform which enables used car lending. And we've got 15 banks, NBFCs behind us. So when a consumer comes for taking a loan, we are able to match which lending platform is right for him. So this is his profile, he may go to ICICI or AU Bank or Mahindra Finance. it will depend on the profile. So what happens is the approval rates are very high because we have got a technology that underwrites where is he likely to get a loan. With that view, basically dealers use our platform, we sell in B2C format or our own cars that we sell this lending platform is used. That's what the lending platform, is. we control almost 9% of used car lending in the country on a platform. It's again a very scaled-up business from our perspective. So, these are the four business lines and these are the models on each one of them. That.
2: That's very lucidly explained. Thanks so much for taking the time and, and patiently explaining that to, uh, to us. I want to just switch to rural demand for a little bit here. Bikes and four-wheelers in Tier 3, Tier 4 cities, Amit. What are you seeing and noticing?
0: We are seeing that with geo advent, suddenly the bike traffic increased significantly, which we never saw earlier, with geo penetrating internet to everybody. So, we see a lot of bike deco traffic growing from the tier three, four town. So in bikes, I would give you a sense like fifty-five percent of the traffic is coming from the smaller town, and forty-five comes from the bigger town. In cars, almost sixty-five to thirty-five. Sixty-five comes from bigger town, thirty-five comes from smaller town. So that's a pattern we see. And in cars, also we are seeing a change in terms of like the growth of automobile traffic and actually sales, which is collaborating both the facts, is actually happening in year 2, 3 now. Year 1s are already over penetrated and the amount they're selling is the amount that's going out to other cities, you know, as you start. They are not growing as much as the smaller pockets are growing around them. So, that's something that is encouraging for India because India cannot depend on few cities to do the automobile business. Encouragement comes when you know, smaller pockets are growing. And that's how the whole uh, demography or geography is, you know, performing.
1: So, I'm curious to know uh, because the government is very bullish about uh, EVs. Right. What's your view on electric vehicles and uh, is that a growing part of your platform or is there an immediate future that you see for that class of vehicles, especially on platforms like yours?
0: I think EVs will disrupt bike first and they'll disrupt in a big way. and petrol rates going where they are, I think it'll make it will disrupt two wheeler segment in a big way because okay. the battery cost and charging time is much lower. In cars, the charging time, you charge at home 8 hours and even if you go to a petrol bank, you'll have to stand 30 minutes on a fast charger. What that means is that India does not have infra or capacity to basically charge these cars. Let's even say oh, hypothetically, all cars are converted electric. You have, the system of petrol pump has been designed for a five minute in out. You can't have 30 minute in out. Otherwise, you'll get, and after five minute in out, also, you can see lines on CNG pumps today or lines at petrol pump that time. Right? So the infra has to be created before you can say that EV is going to overrule. Second point is the battery cost itself has not come to a point where uh, it is entry-level car mein, it will be able to run today because it has come become one-third it's like cost has yeah. come down one-third of what it used to be three years back but it has to go significantly down further and manufacture and it will get down it's like mobile batteries right how it has evolved right how mobile phones evolved economies of scale makes it happen and innovations keep on happening i'm sure it will get there so the battery cost coming down per kilowatt is gonna basically bring about the EV and entry level segment. If you notice all the EVs are you know, over ten lakh right nothing under. So you have to get to entry level for it to make a lot more sense for people in that category. Yeah. You also really, really care about fuel costs. My view is that you'll start seeing that adopt the curve starting with little more expensive cars. And as the technology evolves, and the pricing goes down, you'll start seeing it in an entry level. But bikes, I think you'll see it very, very fast. That's what the view is on the
2: Amit, you spoke briefly of insurance. I'm going to take you back there for a bit. You think Indians have suddenly realized the value of health insurance after the pandemic. What are you looking to expand further into, given that opportunity now? Do you think insurance has a lot of scope? And what about after sales? Have you thought of getting into that?
0: So, I'll first on the insurance one and then after sales one. In the insurance one, look, I think India is a very sentimental country. As soon as the pandemic happened, health insurance went through the roof for all insurance and as the second wave kind of died down now it has come back to normal. So there's also you know a surge basis you know the macro that's happening around you. India though is a very underpenetrated country when it comes to health and life, a huge scope and that's where it's a big market and as the per capita gain grows and people realize the importance of life and health, it's gonna be a very fast growing segment in my view. Insurance is a very small dot in the ocean right now frankly of the overall current available market. For us there's a huge scope to go in any case. From a market perspective also it's growing. there are two. We look at it. On the after-sales piece, I think we are very clear we are getting into after-sales. Because somebody, if he's buying a used car, we are saying we are the OEM of used car. What that means is that the OEM decides that I am going to basically make sure I will service your vehicle. So we are going to basically have these captive AMCs on our own cars that we will not be selling this to you, we are guaranteeing the maintenance, maintenance cost. But we are not planning to begin that until we start selling in retail a certain volume of cars, and that's the pivot when we get into the after But it is quite a lucrative business to get into, and that's what we aim to.
1: Okay, let's get to a you know honest uh, CEO to CEO question: uh, yeah. head or heart? You know, what's it that drives you? Is it are you sort of instinct and you know gut feel driven, or your research and data driven?
0: I think I'm both. Depending on the context, there's no one way. I'm very objective uh, most of the time. When it comes to, say, people side of things, I'm more hard. When it comes to business side of things, I'm more head.
2: Okay. You know, almost as as a corollary to what Ramesh just asked you, I'm going to ask you, Amit. You resisted going in for funding at an early stage of your business around about the time that a lot of businesses were just blindly going in for funding. Why did you play the wait and watch game?
0: Actually, I thought I had that profit lying in the bank. I was getting offers of a million, two million dollars, that profit I had in the bank. So I thought, somebody else is trusting us. So let's invest our own money. If somebody is believing in us, why don't we believe in ourselves and invest our own money rather than taking it from outside? That was the primary reason we did not take the funding. And then we realized auto could be really big and money could really be a game changer. Then we believed that this kind of money, I think we should take. We won't be able to generate it. Into.
1: What about... Uh... International market, summit. Uh, have you expanded there already or you know you already exist in some countries?
0: We are in Southeast Asia now. Uh, Indonesia, Malaysia, Philippines are three countries we are already in. And the political team are doing the business there. And it's been a good uh, start. Right? Basically, are the number one auto portal in Indonesia. We are number one auto portal in Philippines. In Malaysia, we just started so I hope we will get there in a year's time.
2: Speaking about expansion, initially, you had really expanded into many avenues and you had to kind of pull back. The car accessories business, for example. Why did you do that? And what were your learnings?
0: I think the big learning for me is that don't try to do too many things at the same time. Because while it seems that this will happen as an ambitious, ambitious goal, what I realized is management bandwidth is very limited. You have to, you know, if so you have to really cut the cake, you can't scratch on the surface. You have to cut the cake deep and then take it out. That's a way to cut the cake. So the biggest learning I had in that, that era was that don't start 10 things. Just do it and go deep into the world. Otherwise, we'll scratch the surface each one. That was the biggest learning I
1: had. So just another question on uh, personal questions. So what is it that drives you? What are the values that you hold dear to your heart? and Or what are your organization's values? What drives you? You know, Is it, uh, say, a fame? Is it wealth? Uh, is it creating a legacy? What is it that you want to do? And what are those values? I want to create a company
0: that will overlast uh, me and all the people. And when the internet history gets written, uh, me and our team would get written down as people who shaped up the mobility, which the next generation will use, is attributed to us in a way, right, as a team. So that's what drives uh, me, basically, as an individual. And I think the whole company basically aligns to that, uh, which is a good thing. Other than that, I think uh, from a culture perspective, we try to have people with humility Uh, feet on the ground and eyes on the sky kind of thing. So, being humble, I think, is a very important trait. That's something that I personally encourage also. Trust, integrity, I think that's something very important in our business because we're selling used cars. If you can't trust internally, how do you trust? Trust pass on externally. Trustworthiness, I think, is a very, very critical. Innovation, I think, I hold very key to heart because I personally think disruptions come through innovation. And uh, as a culture, you try to innovate I mean, and innovation should happen at every quarter, in a way. And these are the ones. And empathy, I think, uh, is something that I would expect everyone to have. That's one core value that uh, drives you know, bonding and teamwork together.
2: So tell me, as a dad, what do you most love to do with your kids? Any activity that binds you or bonds you with the kids?
0: I think I'm a very, very uh, energy guy, right? Kids I are only six, so... At this age I think they are are all into you because they will move to friends later, I know. But right now you're the superhero, literally, right? Cricket, football, hulla, wolf. And shouting <laughs> out loud. And my wife treats <laughs> me, you know, as <laughs> if you know pinbache. All three of your treating. I will do pillow fight and I'll do all sort of things that kids like to do, right? So I'm a kid when it comes to kids.
1: <laughs> That's great. Uh just suddenly, I just wanted to ask you this question. Uh, suddenly, uh, startup IPOs are the flavour of the season. You know, any plans around that, and what are the timelines you are looking at?
0: We'll be looking at 18 months, 24 month time frame to go IPO. I think uh, prep work is on, and by the time we get there, uh, our use case would be far more scaled up from public market perspective. So we're looking forward to a good IPO as in the year.
2: Okay, last few questions, uh, more lifestyle and inspiration-based. A business leader you have admired and why you have admired him or her, Amit?
0: I have admired Steve Jobs all through for the innovation that he had. I really, really like
2: So, are you a
1: book reader? And if if you are a book reader, then what's a book that's left an impact on you?
0: I am not a book reader at all. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's, a good, that's the answer you get nowadays most often So that's okay <laughs> well,
2: What kind of music do you listen to? What's on your playlist? Any music concert you went to during your student days In Jaipur or otherwise Or abroad Or now recently that you enjoyed So I want your music choice As well as a concert Pre-COVID times that you've been to
0: Phases changed and music place changed There was you know A time you would be in IIT And you would go to Parikrama And you know, all these rock thing that would, it would appeal to you. And it was a different zone you were in at that stage in life. In India, I think I like Hindi music, the Bollywood style, uh, softer ones or some lyrics that have meanings, not like the chick chick wala. I think more deeper meaning songs is what I like to listen. And party time, party type songs. So I'm like a chill guy, can hear anything.
1: And a sport what are you following cricket Olympics what are you going to do next few I mean there's been a lot of sports in the last one month and will be in the next
0: Uh, any sport no I don't watch or follow any sport Uh, that's That's, (laughs) that's
2: a favorite vacation spot why do you love going to that vacation spot
0: I think sports are not important Rishi I think uh, the people you are with is more important so I would say sports are beautiful with people you are around and your home can be beautiful if it's a happy thing I am happy, I'm happy, it's just fun right, I don't have a favorite spot, you can take me to Udaipur, you can take me to Paris, it's the same thing for me, as long as I'm in that gang where the zone is happy zone.
2: Lovely. Amit, this has been super, thank you so much for being on Minding My Business, the CEO story and being incredibly honest with us as regards your journey. Thank you. So much. And yeah, you know, uh, your
1: humility and your passion really comes through. and I'm sure, you know, you're looking to conquer many more peaks. Lead in insurance, lead in any other thing that you uh, wish to conquer, and we love the the fact that you have that childlike enthusiasm. And, and of course, you know, you
2: told us you show it with your kids as well. Lovely yeah, talk. I you like about. that. I like that childlike enthusiasm. Super stuff. Thank you so much. Wonderful. So Ramesh, the the curtain comes down on another episode, and looks like you're having fun. I could make out from the way you were flowing through the conversation with Amit. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I've, <laughs> I've become better in the second, third round. So uh, I think, uh, you know, we've always been trying to get out of the conference rooms and, you know, connect with people one-to-one. Hopefully, we'll, do, we'll be able to do some of these interviews uh, physically as well. Uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. And make sure you keep listening to some great radio and podcasts. Uh, build that habit. Thank you
2: absolutely next week minding my business the ceo story shall be back with another captain of the industry who's pushed the envelope remember you can catch us on 94.3 radio one on fm radio and on hd smartcast in podcast form overall major streaming platforms this is a radio one production so till next week it's bye from me rishi k and me ramesh menon thank you
0: me amit bye This was a Radio 1 production brought to you by HD Smartcast.
2: HD Smartcast.